And uh, thank you for allowing me to be, uh, to be on this program with these precious, dear men of God. And boy, I tell you, I love and respect the men of God that God has raised up for such a time as this. And I look forward to hearing them again in the morning. Take your Bible, if you would, turn to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, I know it's a, a work night and a school night, so let me, let me jump right in the text, if I may. Isaiah chapter 44. If you get to Jeremiah, put on the brakes and go left. Isaiah chapter 44. Uh, three verses tonight, I'll just share with you. Verse 21, 22, and 23. Uh, a message really that God has burned in my heart now for some time, watching what all is happening in our world and everything that's going on. I, uh, just uh, these texts of Scripture comes to my mind, living God's way in these last days. How do we do that as God's people? Uh, by the way, Brother Rock, thank you. I, I've, I was looking for a message Sunday. I got me a message for Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, man. I don't know if I can preach it like him, but I'm going to give it a whirl, brother. But I love that great, great exposition of the Scripture. Verse 21, Isaiah 44, verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob, and Israel, for you're my servant. I formed you, you're my servant. O Israel, you'll not be forgotten by me. Verse 22, I blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. So return to me, for I have redeemed you. Verse 23, sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, all the earth, break forth into singing, you mountains and forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. God, I pray tonight you would bless the preaching of your word. May you be lifted high. May you increase. May I decrease. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Living life God's way in these last days. You know, I don't think I have to spend much time. Let me just uh, uh, cut to the chase. I, I don't ha think I have to convince you that we're living in last days. Uh, you can read, uh, you know, you, you look at our world, read the book of Daniel, read the book of Revelation. You see prophecies coming to light right before our very eyes. It's incredible we're living in last days. It's amazing if you think about where we are as a nation that we can no longer, you know, hang the Ten Commandments in our classroom wall. We can't pray in our in our schools. We uh, high school Friday night football game. You can't say a prayer, uh, at least, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 by an administrator, by a faculty member where we're at. Uh, you can't have a nativity scene on private, on, on, on public property any longer. We're talking about a manger scene, you know, a baby Jesus, a Mary, a Joseph, a Billy goat, something can't have that on, on public property more. It's amazing how far we have drifted from God. So here's my question. How do we as God's people, me, you, us, how do we navigate these waters? How do, we, how do we live in these crazy, mixed-up last days? And by the way, the other motivating factor is that life is brief. And we only have one life, and it's passing us by quickly. It's amazing how quickly life passes by. Now, it was good to see all these teenagers here tonight, and I, I love talking and hanging out with them. And, you know, for them, you know, it seems like life's going to be forever. But I have news for you. Life is brief. How many of you would agree the older you get, the faster it goes? Come on, isn't it amazing? How many of you are older than you wish you were? How many of you do not know how old you are? Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. It's amazing. So life is so very, very brief. I can remember, you know, I'm 55 now. I can remember when I was a teenager, Brother Rock. I can remember, Brother Ron, when I looked at a 55-year-old man. I was 15. He was 55. I can remember what I was thinking looking at that 55-year-old guy. Boy, I hope you've done what you want to do in life because it's downhill from here on out, you know. 
It's incredible how brief life is. And I think about these three elderly ladies in their retirement home playing bridge and in walks an older gentleman to kind of check the facility out. And so one of them spoke up and said, you're new around here. And he said, well, yes, I am checking the facility out. Another one asked, well, where'd you come from? And he thought, well, that's kind of a nosy question. If you want to know, I'll tell you, I just just finished spending 20 years in prison. And another widow said, well, what were you in for? He said, good night, ladies. He said, well, I'll just tell you, you want to know? I killed my wife. And the third widow spoke up and said, oh, so you're single then. Life is brief. So how do we live life God's way? Let me give you three very simple words, easy to remember. First of all, we should should remember. In fact, in verse 21, he says that very clearly. We should remember. And he tells us two very simple things that in these last crazy mixed up days that we, as the children of God, we should remember. The first one is remember that God created you. Look there in verse 21. He says that I I formed you, I designed you, I created you. Brother Rock alluded to this earlier, didn't he? Jeremiah 1.5 says when we were in our mother's womb that God formed us, God created us, God, God designed us. And let that sink in for just a moment. Think about that. The God of the universe created you. There are no mistakes. There are no accidents. It's incredible to think this, this majestic, magnificent God created you and me. It's an amazing thought. Well, when you stand at the, at the mouth of the ocean and man, it's just, it, it, it's just water as far as you can see. It just literally takes your breath away. You're standing at this mighty ocean and to think that God just spoke that ocean into existence and that God designed you. That God created you. That God created you. You stand at the base of a, a mighty mountain. It's, it's just overwhelming as you look at this gigantic mountain to think that God just spoke that mountain into existence and that same God, the God of the universe, created you, designed you, formed you. A sunrise, a sunset. You ever seen those? They're so spectacular, incredible. I mean, it just literally takes your breath away. It's like a, like a postcard, you know, like a Hallmark moment. And I can remember when my, my youngest daughter, 16 now, I remember when she was five or six years old. We, we were driving down the road and it was in the evening and the sun had just set. And there was one of these absolutely breathtaking, spectacular sunsets. In fact, it was, it was so breathtaking, I literally pulled off the side of the road, just me and, and, me and my, my, my youngest daughter, you know. And, 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 you know, to a preacher, everything's a teaching moment, right? So we pulled over, and I said to her, I said, honey, do you see that, do you see that sunset? She said, yes. And it was brilliant. I mean, just all the colors, red and yellows and oranges. Some of you ladies know fancy terms, but that's all us guys know. Anyway, just, and, you know, the sun rays just shooting out from the clouds. Phenomenal. And I said to her, I said, honey, did you realize the same God that painted that sunset, created you, designed you. It's an incredible thought. My, my, my two oldest daughters, they're 26 and 23. They just recently uh, finished school at UAB there in Birmingham, Alabama. And, and before they went off to school, I told them, now, now girls, this is a secular college. But you've been trained. You know what your faith, you know what you believe. You've been grounded in the Word. And so at some point, you're probably going to rub shoulders with some folks who probably won't believe exactly what you believe. But that's okay. You know who you are. You be firm in your faith. In fact, probably you're going to come across some, some liberal knucklehead professor that's going to tell you you evolved from a monkey. 
And I said, now listen, you be, you be loving, you be kind, but you be firm. And by the way, can I just say how ridiculous it is to think that we evolved from a monkey. Are you kidding me? I mean, listen, we have passes to the zoo, my family, and we go down to the zoo, and we, man, we see the giraffes and the elephants, and we, we see the lions and the tigers, and we go over to that monkey exhibit, and those monkeys are just chattering and swinging around and just yakking. Not one time have I looked at a monkey there and said, you know, if you squint just right, that looks like your grandfather right over there. Incredible. And yet we have professors. Someone has said, once I was a tadpole beginning to begin. Then I was a fish with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey swinging from a tree, and now I'm a professor with a PhD. (laughs) How ridiculous. How amazing. And now let me tell you something. What that means is it means that God created me. And that means my value, my, my self-esteem, my, my, my self-significance is not in who I am, but who He is. My value is not based in my job or my career or my accomplishments or my education. My value is based on the fact that one day as an eight-year-old boy at the Glendale Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, just north, just, just, just north of here, south of here, anyway, just south of here, I got on my knees as an eight-year-old boy and I repented of my sin and the best way I knew how, I invited Jesus Christ to my life. And as an eight-year-old boy on a Sunday morning in Bowling Green, Kentucky, God came into my life and He changed me. He forgave me. He redeemed me. He delivered me. Oh, my friend, He set me free and I've never been the same. Does anybody in the house belong to Jesus? Come on. Give Him praise. Amen. So, we've got to remember that God created you. And if He created you, that means He loves you. And if He loves you, that means He's got a plan for you. And my friend, my He does. Brother and sister, He does. There's no one who loves you like God loves you. Remember, God created you. But remember, secondly, that He will not forget you. Did you see that in the last part of verse 21? You will not be forgotten by me. Now, now let me, can I come down here? Let me just tell you something. You see, when storms happen in life, and storms will happen. This dear brother alluded to it so well. My pastor's in heaven now. He pastored the same church in Bowling Green for over 50 years. Never married. He was married to the church. He's in heaven now. He would say to me as a young preacher boy, he'd say to me, Brother Rock, Brother Tommy, he'd say, you know, Kevin, you're either just coming out of a storm, you're in a storm, or you're headed for a storm. How's that for encouragement? Amen. (laughs) But I'm telling you, the longer I've lived life, the more I believe that's true. How many of you have been in a storm in your life? Yeah. And see, it's when you're in a storm, the enemy comes along and begins to whisper his lies to you. See, God doesn't love you. If God loved you, why would you be battling cancer? If God loved you, why would your spouse walk in and say, I found somebody else? If, if God loved you, why would your kids be running every way but the right way? If, if God really cared about you and really loved you like He said He does, how come you lost your job? How, how come you're struggling? How come, how come you're facing difficulties? See, the enemy says God doesn't know you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. But He doesn't know my God. My God didn't ever promise me I wouldn't have trouble. What He did promise you and me is He would go with us in the trouble. When I cannot carry on, my God will carry me. My God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. My God knows me. He's my deliverer, my defender, my helper, my healer, my maker, my mender. My God will never turn His back on me. He will never forget you. And hear me today. God always attacks you when you're most vulnerable. He knows exactly when to attack you. Jesus, after 40 days, right? 
And they come along and said, hey, won't you make these stones into O Charlie's rolls? Or, you know, so, you know, come on. Why, why did he wait 40 days? He knew he was most vulnerable. You can almost see the demon saying, what about now? No, it's only been a week. Wait, it's too early. Two weeks. No, it's too early. You you understand what I'm saying. He knows exactly when you're most vulnerable, when the rug's been pulled out from underneath you, when your whole life is caving in, and that's when the enemy comes along and he begins to whisper those lies from the pit of hell that God doesn't know you, God doesn't love you, and God doesn't care about you, and nothing could be further from the truth. He created you. He formed you. He designed you. He's got an incredible plan for you, and no matter how difficult this life may be, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never forget you. Can I get an amen in the house? Arthur's 90 years old. He loves to play golf. He comes in. He's frustrated. He throws his clubs down. He tells his wife, I'm done. Can't play golf anymore. She said, why? He said, I can't see the ball. She says, why don't you take my brother with you? He said, your brother's 103 years old. He said, yeah, but remember now, she said, he's got perfect eyesight. And she said, that's true. I'll do it. And so he, Arthur gets his brother-in-law the next morning, gets up on that first tee, smacks the ball right down the middle of that fairway, turns to his 103-year-old brother-in-law, says, now, did you see it? He said, Arthur, you know I saw it. I had perfect eyesight. He said, where did it go? He said, I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> now, can I, can I tell you that God... This is, so, this is so incredible now. This great and enormous, magnificent, wonderful, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God, the maker of heaven and earth. He knows you. He created you. He will not forget you. In these crazy, mixed up days that we live in, don't you believe for a minute God doesn't know you. God has forgotten you. God has forsaken you. That's not true. God will never forsake you, my friend. It may be dark. It may be confusing. It may be uh, uh, dreary, but God will never forget you. And God will never forget you. guys going to preach me hoarse. Amen. Uh, remember, remember, would you say that with me? Come on. All right, number two. Are you okay? I've only got three. You all right? You okay? You security? Okay. Don't get too excited. You got a gun. Anyway, number two. Remember, number two, uh, watch this. Uh, the word says that we should return. Now look at verse 22. Remember, and then he says to return. Did you see that in verse 22? Are you with me? And he gives us two very clear reasons that we as God's people should return to God. Number one, because only God can forgive sin. Notice he says that I have blot out your transgressions, your sins like a cloud. We return to God because, hear me now, God and God alone can forgive sin. That's right. And by the way, it doesn't matter what you're saying. Preacher, you don't know what I've done. You know where I've been. No, I, I don't know. But I know Him. And His love is deep enough, strong enough, and wide enough to forgive you of all your sin. I'm so glad that He forgives sin. Anybody in the house had your sin forget? You know, I told my folks the other day, there's nothing like being clean on the outside. You know, you're, you're sweaty. I don't know, maybe you've mowed the yard or raked the leaves or whatever, mow, you know, in the garden or on the farm. And man, you're just sweating and smelly and you go inside and man, you just want to take a shower, right? And you put on some, some, some casual clothes, put on your pajamas, you know what? Just something as loose as you can get it, right? And you get a sweet tea so big you can drink it or swim in it. You know what I'm saying? And then and you sit down on your recliner 
shine her right. And man, you, you've done all the work. Now you're clean, washed, got your big old Milo sweet tea, got your candy bar as big as your head. I don't know, big, popcorn, whatever it is you like. And you sit down, you take a big, deep breath, right? And say, oh, this feels so good. Wait a second. That's just clean on the outside. Boy, there's nothing like being clean on the inside. And even on a Thursday night, if your life's anything like mine, you probably dragged in here some stuff that doesn't honor God, doesn't bless God. Our brother talked about clearly about the sin tonight, but I'm going to tell you the blood of Jesus Christ can wash your sins away and you can walk out of this place clean, not only on the outside, but clean on the inside. But can I just, could I take it a step further? Not only does he forgive your sin, but this is what I love about God. He forgets your sin. It's incredible. You ever run into somebody? Maybe you've even been there. I have. Maybe you've said, well, I, well I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. I'm not going to forget. God will. Oh, listen. He honors the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says He cast his, our sin behind His back never to remember it again. He, he says he, he, he separates us as far as the east is from the west. He throws it into the deepest part of the ocean. Oh, I can't tell you. I'm so thankful. I could run a lap around. I'm so glad that God Almighty not only forgives your sin, He forgets your sin. Remember, why do we return? Only God can forgive sin. But, but secondly, only God can redeem your soul. Notice the last part of verse 22. He says, for I have redeemed you. Yeah. Why do we return back to God? Because only God can redeem your soul. You know that word redeemed. I, you, you know well. It, 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 it's a word we don't use much in our vernacular anymore. It literally means that to buy back, to purchase. We, years ago, you remember, before technology and the internet, some of you think you'll have to Google this, all right? You, 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 re, you remember when you're, you couldn't wait to get the Sunday paper. Why did you like the Sunday paper? Coupons. Who said it over there? Come on, somebody. There you go. You just dated yourself, brother. Amen. Yeah. Coupons, right? I can remember my mom. She'd get that Sunday paper, and boy, she'd spread those, those sale bills out all across the floor, and she'd get those scissors out and cut for a week and a half. Man, she'd have all those coupons, and, and then she'd go to the grocery, right? And then we would, here's the words that we, we would redeem those coupons. We would turn those coupons in, and it would reduce the price that we owe. Here's the beautiful thing. God says, I'm going to redeem your soul by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we return to God. Only God can redeem our soul. And aren't you thankful for that? I, I'm so glad that He still redeems sinners. Can I get an amen? I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you know, church was never designed to be a museum for saints, always a hospital for sinners. Sometimes, Brother Tommy, I'll get up at my church every now and then, and I'll tell them on Sunday morning, hey, has anybody here got troubles? Anybody here got issues? If you don't have any troubles or issues, don't join our church. We'll mess you up. So just for a moment, could you kind of remove your mask and just be honest that we've, we've all got some troubles and issues? Some of us just cover them better than others, but we've all got issues. Uh, look at your neighbor. Say it with a smile. Look at them with a smile. Tell them, you've got issues. Come on. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I always love when I, I, I do that. I love it because I see these precious older couples been married a long time and the husband will look to the wife and say, no, I ain't telling her that, preacher. I got I, I to go home with her. I ain't telling her that. Yeah. 
We all have issues. I, listen, my, my wife and I, you know, we, again, three, three daughters. I, we discovered our best arguments happen on the way to church. It's incredible. I can, I, even now, I mean, I, I, my wife and my three daughters on Sunday mornings, there's so much hairspray and perfume. I have to have an albuterol treatment to preach. It's amazing, man. It's everywhere, right? It's incredible. And I, you know, I, I can remember my, my wife, you know, when we first got married, she used to put on perfume. I don't know where it, when it changed. I don't know, but she'd put a little dab of perfume on one wrist. And you know, ladies, what she would do then? She'd, she'd rub her wrists together. I don't know why. And then this is the oddest thing. She'd take another little drop of perfume and she would, I, I don't understand it, but she'd, she'd stick it behind her ears. I don't, I, you know, not one time I've ever sniffed the back of my wife's ears. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I told her, honey, I love you. I ain't sniffing the back of your ears. You know what I'm saying? It's incredible. But somewhere along the line, that all changed because recently I discovered, here's how she does it now. She doesn't do that anymore. She'll spray what I call a wall of perfume. She'll I think it's wasteful, but I'm not going to say anything. I want to stay married. So anyway, she'll spray a whole wall of that. And then, now she's fully dressed, ready for church. The last thing she does, spray this wall, and then she catwalks through it. Just walks right through it. And you say, how do you know? Because one day I intercepted the wall before she walked through. It. It's the truth. If she's here, she'll tell you this. I came back in to br- brush my teeth. She had sprayed her wall, and I come walking right through. <coughs> what in the world? It was too late to change. I went to church. Do you know what it's like? Going to the church of God, trying to be the man of God and have the favor of God and preach with the anointed of God, smelling like midnight passion. You know what I'm saying? It's really hard to be manly, you know. Shaking hands with folks. Our precious older ladies behind me saying, Preacher smells good this morning. I said, Yes, I do. I'm good. Now turn your Bible to Isaiah, would you? I mean, We just admit we all have issues and problems, but we have a God who loves us too much to leave us the way He found us. He saves us, cleans us up by the prayer. And by the way, that's why we return to Him, because it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can redeem our souls. Our preacher said it. Religion cannot do it. A denomination cannot do it. Walking an aisle cannot do it. Praying a prayer cannot do it. Shedding a tear at the altar. Listen, I'm grateful for all those things. Those are tools. Being dunked in a baptistry can't do it. Those are wonderful tools. But only the blood of Jesus can wash. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the... Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No wonder God would say in these lace, in the in these crazy last mixed up days, hey, child of God, you better return to me. I'm the only one who forgive your sin. I'm the only good. By the way, can I just say this and I'll give you the third point. We okay? When he says return to him, it means we've left him. I don't know about you pastors and preachers and as I travel and preach and rub shoulders and I, I really sense a falling away. And God is saying, hey, return to me. Return to me. 
You know, my family, we vacation, we go down, my daughters go down to Panama City, and when they were younger, you know, we'd, they'd want to collect seashells. And so we'd get a little bucket, you know, and we'd get a little, little plastic shovel, and year, we'd get into three or four feet of water right there on the beach, you know, and we'd be digging around, washing out the seashells, and he's all excited about a she's, you know, shells, putting them in the bucket, putting them in the bucket. And we'd spent maybe 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes doing that tops. And I looked up, and somehow, someway, in that 30 minutes, someone had picked up our condo and had moved it all the way down the beach. I said, how in the world did they do that? It's incredible. It, it was just right there. And, and we're all the way down here. We drifted. Listen to me. I wasn't even going to say that. We drifted. Didn't even realize it. That's a description of the church. By the way, could I just remind you, you are the church. I know it's so easy to generalize. Well, the church needs to get right with God. Hey, you are the church. You know, pastoring so much fun. Somebody comes and says, Preacher, I think the church ought to be doing this and the church ought to be doing that. And the church. I said, I know it. And guess what? You are the church, so I'll be praying for you while you do it. You are the church. Not the pews, the carpet, the you are the church. The church has drifted. No wonder he would say, return. Remember, return. Would you say that with me? Come on. Remember, return. Then this last one. Don't get excited. It's a long one. No, I'm teasing. I think he said it's a long one. We got to go, Ethel. No, anyway, just remember, return, and rejoice. Now watch verse 23. Rejoice. And he tells us two ways that we're going to rejoice. First of all, we're going to sing. Did you see that? Sing. And singing is simply an expression on the outside of the joy of Jesus on the inside. When Jesus changes you, you don't don't need a pep rally to sing for Him. I'm telling you, there's just something on the inside of you that cannot be quiet. He has saved me, delivered me, and set me free. Listen, I've told my folks, I'm 55. I don't have time to waste time. Man, when I get to church, I'm going to clear me off a spot and have me a little Baptistical fit. He's been too good for me, man. I got to worship him. I got to sing. I can't carry a tone in a bucket. It don't matter, man. I'm telling you, when he saves you, he gives you a song. And listen to me, even in these dark, dreary, confusing last days... God gives His people a song. Because I'm reminded that no matter how difficult, no matter how confusing and depressing this world may become, this is not my home. That's why I have a song. I'm concerned about it. I'm living here. I'm concerned about people who need Jesus. I hear my heart. But I'm telling you, I'm not overwhelmed with worry because in the end, this is not my home. The reason many Christians are so depressed and so discouraged and full of such fear and such anxiety is, hey, somehow you're thinking you're going to stay here forever. You're not. You're going to a far better place. That's why I have a song in the midst of most discouraging times, in the midst of most depressing times. I've got a smile on my face. Why? Because Jesus gave me joy. The world didn't give it to me. They can't take it away. Jesus gave me a soul. The world didn't give it to me. The world cannot take it away. Hey, I've got a question. Who stole your song? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. 
and what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when He takes me by the hand, leads me through the promised land. Come on, you know it. Come on, finish it for me. The one who saved me by His grace. What a day, glorious day that will be. And I heard about a mansion. He, my, my CDs are right over by theirs. I can't, I, I, I'm just telling you, He'll give you a song in the darkest night. Rejoice with a song. And then you're going to rejoice. Let me give you this last one. Are you ready? You okay? You all right? Yep. Lean forward. Come on, humor me. Come on, lean forward. Yeah, like you're really engaged. You know, I know you're not, but just lean forward. You know what I'm saying? Come on, lean forward. It'd be the most exercise some of you done all week. Come on, lean forward. We're not only going to sing, but we're going to shout. Shout, the Bible says. Shout. You know, there are appropriate times to shout. Shouting's part of worship. Now, now we shout, we just sometimes shout at our kids or grandkids, maybe our spouse, I don't know, but they, hey, I'm talking about shouting at God. I, my, my wife and I, we've been married now 32 years, be 32 years in June. We've discovered that our arguments happen in one of two times. Maybe some of you young folks think about marriage. Let me give you the best marital advice you ever have right here. This is us now. Maybe you're more spiritual. We've discovered when we're arguing, one of two things is going on. We're either hungry or tired <laughs> because we're more irritable at that time. I believe most marriages, most marriages could be saved with a nap and a ribeye. I really believe that. I do. They'll call me now. Yeah. Preacher, we need counseling. I said, no, you don't. Take a nap and eat a ribeye. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's true. Shout. So the Bible talks about shouting to the Lord, right? Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Shout with a voice of triumph, right? He said, well, I'm too dignified to shout. I don't shout. Um... What are you going to do in heaven? In fact, let me, kind of, let me kind of land the plane this way. Turn to Revelation if you would. Turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 7 if you would. Now look at this. Revelation, you understand that Revelation is a picture of us in the future. Do you get that? Are you, how many of you would say tonight, hey, I, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a born-again believer, I'm a Christian. Come on, lift your hand if that's you. Come on, wave it around a little bit, all right? Okay, now, I don't want to frighten you, but this is you, this is us in the future. This is so cool, right? God gave this, this revelation to John, the revelator. This is a vision of heaven. So this is us in the future. People ask me all the time, pastors, you get this, right? What are we going to do in heaven? I don't know. I'm not an expert. I don't know everything we'll do in heaven. I know two things about heaven. There'll be a super Walmart probably somewhere in heaven. I'm just guessing it will. And we'll be watching reruns of Andy Griffith. I know those two things will be happening. I don't know what else. But let me tell you, well, this is us in the future. So this is me. This is you. Is that not crazy? You know, the Bible's so exciting. Look at your neighbor. Come on. If you do this, listen. If you don't do this, I keep preaching. It gets ugly. Yeah, the restaurants will eventually close. So look at your neighbor and tell them this is you. Come on, this is you. All right, here we are. This is it. Ver chapter 7, verse 9. Watch this. And after these things, I looked, and behold, there was a great multitude which no one could number. Preacher, I don't like big crowds. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to struggle. Every now and then somebody says, well, I have to come to your church. There's too many people. I said, well, sit on the front row and don't look back. It's not big at all. <laughs> There's a great number. Now, now, now again, let me, I'm going I'm to try to get this quickly. Hang with me. 
Get this in your head. There's too many to even count. That's how many is there. And they're from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue, every language. By the way, our preacher said it so well a while ago. If you don't have a gospel for everyone, you don't have a gospel for anyone. And this is such a beautiful picture of heaven. From every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language. I love that. There's only one race, the human race. Right? And Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And so here we are in heaven. There's too many to count. We're from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And the Bible says we are standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Capitol Who is that? Jesus. And we're clothed with white robes. Why? Because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. That's why we're going to have a Baptocostal fit. Because the truth is, we know we're there. Not because of our goodness and our works. We look at our white robe and we realize, man, I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We've got palm branches in our hand, verse 10, and we are crying out with a quiet voice. We're crying out with a... Come on, crying out with a... With a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See that explanation mark? Listen now. There's too many people to even count them. I mean, when we lift our voices together in this place, this is a drop in the bucket compared to what's going to be in heaven. I moved down to Alabama 13 years ago and they're always wanting to take me to the football games because they want to win my allegiance. I I don't have an allegiance to any team down there. I'm not from there. And so they all, you know, they want to take me to Tuscaloosa. Amen. Yeah. He's wearing a Tennessee shirt. God bless you, brother. He gave, a, he gave an invitation a while ago. You didn't get saved. What happened? Anyway, so, so, so think about it. So they'll take me to Tuscaloosa, man. They'll take me down to Auburn, War Eagle, and Roll Tide. And, I mean, I, they're just constantly. I've been those, they'll even ask me, who are you for? I said, I'm for whoever has the free tickets. I've been saying that for 13 years, man. <laughs> it's great, man. I ain't paid for a ticket in 13 years. But here's the thing. You get in those stadiums. And it, it, there's 185, 90, 95, 100,000 people screaming their lungs out. And I sit there. And it, they're all screaming. And all of a sudden, it just goes quiet in my mind. And I'm thinking, this can't even begin to compare what's going to happen in heaven. Some of you wives that have an introverted husband, you're not going to recognize your husband in heaven. He's going to lose his mind. <laughs> He said, well, I don't shout. Maybe you won't be there. I don't know. I mean, it's when you're God. I'm just telling you, when you're there, you're standing before the throne of God, before Jesus. You got on a white robe. You got the palm branches. You realize they're from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Shout, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There's going to be a shout in heaven. By the way, you know our worship down here only prepares us for our worship up there. Let me give you one more scene and I'm done. I'm done. Chapter 19. Go right. Chapter 19. Here's another scene in heaven. This is us again in heaven. Chapter 19, verse 1. Just one verse. Watch this. And after these things, what things? The things that happened between chapter 7 and chapter 19 in heaven. You can read it on your own. After those things, I heard a quiet voice. No, here we are again. (laughs) I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor belong to the Lord our God. 
You ever tried to whisper hallelujah? You ever got all excited, just got revved up, man. You just all fired up, you know, just your team hits a, you know, three-pointer at the buzzer, kicks the winning field goal, you, you know, you, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> so you, you can't, you can't shout hallelujah quietly. Why do we sing? Why do we shout? Because He has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. <laughs> I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt He did not owe. And notice He doesn't leave anything out. Shout, heavens, earth, forest, trees, and mountains. Psalm 24 says, The fullness of the earth is His. Psalm 150, they, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord look at your neighbor one last time ask them do you have breath come on it might be bad breath but they got breath amen yeah why do we do that because there's no nobody like Jesus you remember that old song shackled by heavy burden neath the load of guilt and shame then the hand of Jesus touched me think about it and now I am no longer the same since I met this blessed Savior, since He cleansed and made me whole. Oh, I will never cease to I'll... Oh, there it is. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. Come on, stand and sing it with me. He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy. Hold on a second. We said, oh, the joy. When you say joy, you got to smile. Some of you are like, oh, the joy. God has been so good to me. Boy, you convince us. Look like you've been baptized in prune juice. You know what I'm saying? You kidding me? Come on. And oh, the joy. If you got any teeth, now's the time to show them. Ready? And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Come on, church, something happened. Something happened. And now I know He touched me and made 